Hello and welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, we are mindful, and we share or tell our stories. We are powered by gems. I'm Eric Chase, and today's guest is Rashar Tortorello. He has helped to lead volunteer emergency response teams. He has educated and trained groups to better deal with emergency and disaster situations. He supports local police, fire, and citizens during and after emergency disaster events. He has been uh, CERT trained. He has worked with David Grizzle, who is currently CERT trained uh, in and for the city of Norman and the community that surrounds that. And most importantly, uh, my guest today, ladies and gentlemen, he is uh, the recipient of the Air Force Airman's Medal. He served uh, 20 years in the Air Force. And I want to read to you the importance of uh, what this medal exemplifies. We had the 27th year anniversary of the event for which this gentleman received this uh, citation. And I want to read that in honor uh, all the veterans uh, past and present that have uh, served and then all those that we have lost. And so this is a citation to accompany the award of the Airman's Medal to Rashar Tortorello. Staff Sergeant Rashar S. Tortorello distinguished himself by heroism involving voluntary risk of life while assigned to the 4404th Mission Support Squadron, the 4404th Support Group, and the 4404th Wing Provisional in King Abdulaziz Air Base, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia on June 25th, 1996. On that date, the largest terrorist bombing in the history occurred in Kovar Towers. Disregarding his own safety, Sergeant Tortorello was the first to lead a rescue team into the civil engineer dormitory, which was badly damaged, structurally unstable, and without power. In spite of adverse conditions, he made his oh, way you. through the darkened building with only a flashlight, clearing jagged glass and rubble, searching seven floors and more than 170 rooms for survivors. As he led the rescue team, Sergeant Tortorello immediately rendered self-aid and buddy care to six injured airmen and evaluated two seriously injured individuals who were bleeding profusely with gaping wounds. Um, to the emergency aid station, ingeniously using doors as stretchers, working throughout the long night, he repeatedly entered the building to search for more wounded, providing first aid and medical help until medical help arrived. Thanks to his daring efforts, many survivors are alive today because of Sergeant Tortorello's bravery and leadership. By his courageous actions and humanitarian regard for his fellow man, Sergeant Tortorello has reflected great credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. Sergeant Tortorello um, retired. I want to thank you, <clears throat> excuse me, for your service then and for your continued service to your community through this day and the time and the effort that you give to the citizens that you love and serve and even those that you don't always get along with in uh, the city of Norman. Thank you for being a guest. I'm excited for our conversation on leadership and, and post-traumatic stress and, and other issues that we're gonna talk about where you have perspectives and, and uh, viewpoints that uh, we're gonna share to answer some of the things that, that we've talked about and you've heard about on our podcast previously. So I wanna welcome you to the MS Improv Podcast. I wanna give you the platform and uh, allow you to share your heart, your your vision, your mission, your values to the people that are going to listen. So thank you very much, um, Rashar. Hey, welcome, Eric. Thank you for having me on the show. I was looking forward to this conversation. You know, you have been communicating with us uh, via email for a long time. I want to say a couple months now, and um, I finally decided it was time for me to reach out and uh, have this conversation 
uh, on the issue that you have been promoting and discussing regarding the Norman Fire Department. And yes. so I appreciate you giving me the time and um, I look forward to this discussion going forward. And, and I, I appreciate that. And, and one of the big things when leaders uh, in the community are able to have a voice and share their voice, despite uh, at times having their thumb put on them by other people or other members within the city organizations that say, no, you can't share or talk. Um, so I'm grateful for you. And before we delve into that, and I, and I wanna hear that specifically, and, and I'm grateful, you have a exemplary leadership background and, and record. What can you share with our listeners about that what you have gone through and that what you uh, want to share with us about leadership and intentionality and trauma. Um, I, I think those things uh, hang heavy in, in a lot of us, in a lot of the first responders we're going to be talking about, uh, and, and also a lot of the veterans. We have a, we have a big veteran audience as well. Um, how you've worked through a lot of the things and how you support other people that have gone through and are currently going through stuff like that as well. You know what, so um, let's just start with the military. And, you know, we discussed, I, I equate the fire department, the police department, and all emergency management personnel um, in the same sphere of, 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 of the military. We're, we're all in the same unit. We all have the same issues. And I cannot stress enough the importance of maintaining good order and discipline in that unit. Um, this is not only a necessary for our mission success, but for the safety of our firefighters and our police officers. When every member of a unit understands their roles and responsibilities and adheres to the chain of command, we can effectively operate as a cohesive team. And now we're talking about a major um, first responder units uh, in the fire department here in Norman that uh, was affected. The chain of command, I think, was compromised and the adverse effects on that team cohesiveness and readiness um, was apparent. Um, there's, there's some confusion, um, maybe a little bit of lack of direction, um, a breakdown in communications, obviously. And um, fortunately, we had good leadership and position that it did not result in any mistakes or missing failure, but it had the potential to. Um, and so I'm always looking at how do we maintain um, good morale and the lack of trust between the team members um, and to make sure that the, the confidence in the chain of command is intact and not compromised. Um, and so this is what we train. This is how I lead my life. This is, this is how I, my MO and everything I do outside the military. Um, I, I take what I've learned from the military um, as, the, as the defense contractor after retirement um, in oil and natural gas, even in advertising. I've, I've done, um, when my peer group, my, my peer group in the retirement group decided to take uh, GS-12 positions um, and continue their work in the federal government, I decided to go a different way. Um, I was offered a job as the defense contractor, and, um, and then it just went to oil and gas. It went to advertising. And, and so they're still sitting in those same positions. I don't envy them. Um, if it works out for them, that's fine. But I've always been a, a, a person that seeks out to, to round out and, and to experience different things that life has to offer, because truly when it comes down to, to living your life after military, just like after the police and, and after 
serving as a firefighter, um, we see a lot of horrors in our jobs. We see um, things that create this sense of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, the military, like the police and like fire, um, when you join the Air Force, um, we have jokes. Uh, I should have joined the Marine Corps, to, to be honest with you. I did a, a four-year special duty assignment that uh, included the Marines and, and realized that I had joined the wrong service. And after my special duty assignment was done and went back to the Air Force, my commanders told me that um, I was ruined for the rest of my career because I saw a different aspect of military leadership that we didn't see in the Air Force. Um, they had a, a regimented, and of course, I'm here at the house here. My, my dog is wanting to go outside. But um, everything I have achieved, accomplished, and participated in has led me to a moment in time that allowed me to raise my hand up during the police defunding here in Norman in 2020 to, to raise my hand and say, I want to be part of the solution. And, and hang on a second. The hazards of working from home, Absolutely. but to raise my hand and give me the tools, the discipline, the knowledge to, to lead a group of people to go into a direction to make a positive change. Let's talk about my ward. My district is the biggest district in the city of Norman, 85 square miles. And um, the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority uh, blindsided us by saying um, last year, February 22nd, in an announcement on TV that they were putting a turnpike that would divide my ward um, in half. And totally unacceptable, not that I'm against turnpikes, it was just this turnpike was a surprise to us, the way it was presented to us. Um, they, they totally bypassed the city of Norman leadership, the mayor, the city manager. They did discuss it with the, the mayors of Moore and uh, Noble and Purcell, but decided to leave us out. It was just totally unacceptable the way it was presented. And we decided as a group of citizens to fight it. You know, we have a, a legal team that we work pro bono. Um, there's another group that went ahead and hired an attorney to represent the interests of Ward 5. But the bottom line is that we would never have the ability to put people in the same direction, leading the same path to go forward to face uh, an agency that is almost untouchable in today's time, which is the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority. They have so much power and so much clout, um, but we are doing it and we had some wins and we have some losses. But the, the issue is that my experiences, my life experiences, my knowledge, everything has put me in a position that allowed us to create this organization, grassroots, um, uh, citizens working together to achieve a common goal. Um, council is a little different. Um, we are nine members on council. There are eight wards, and including the mayor, there's nine people that all have to work collaboratively to, to come to an agreement on what we think is best for the for the city or our, our individual wards. And so sometimes we have different personalities, um, different ideologies. Um, it, it can be a challenge, okay? As you saw last night, um, the simple conversation of a homeless shelter, um, it, it, it did not end well last night. Um, that is not typical. It just sometimes 
people's emotions uh, in this situation here get the better of them because they don't have the same training that as you and I do. We, we, we can compartmentalize our issues and our feelings and just focus on, on, on what we are talking about the task and, and what the purpose is. Uh, and, and so um, again, um, prepared myself, uh, my experiences, um, the PTSD thing. Um, when you have these, this world knowledge uh, of, of how things are just through sheer experience, it does give you a perspective when you're leading small groups or any other group for that matter. And so, you know, I, I don't begrudge my 20 years in the military. Uh, I don't begrudge anything I've done after the military because everything, um, I'm not ashamed of anything that I did because it was always in the best interest of, of either the unit and the country. And it continued to today still. I mean, I am a civilian um, in city government as of July 4th, but that's not going to stop me from being and, and, and continuing to represent my community as a, as a citizen, a private citizen, because that's not my value. My value is to add value to how can we make Norman a better place? How can we make Cleveland County, Oklahoma, a better place for everybody? Um, politically driven, um, I am a conservative. I am MAGA. Uh, I am, you know, was a neocon at one time. But um, when it comes to solutions on city council, we have to be center in the middle. So I'm center right on council. That's where people want to see the majority of the council because we need five votes to pass anything. And we have, when you have different, when you have five people that are far left or far right, um, that's five votes wasted. Nothing ever gets done. We're gridlocked. And so the majority of the folks, they understand, hey, I know I'm a Democrat. I know, I'll, you know, I'm a Republican. But if we want to get things done that's meaningful, you have to come to the middle. That's where the citizens want us to be the majority of the time. And that's how all they want is results. Can you work together to fix the problems that plague the city of Norman? And that's what our task and purpose is. And so, you know, I'm glad you reached out to us. We had some issues with the fire department. And um, I would have handled it differently um, than how it was handled now, because I look at this organization as a major unit, a first responder that goes out to save people's lives. And we cannot have a compromise in the chain of command. And I feel that the, the actions that uh, you have been discussing um, with other guests in the show um, have compromised that chain of command to a point that, that you know we are probably looking um, at the situation much more differently than what I had wanted to if we had gone down a different path, looked at it objectively, and if, if we showed evidence that this was not true or it was, but it was corrected years ago, that should be the end of it. Um, but it didn't happen. It just, you know, it, it, there are people that exacerbated the problem the perpetuated, uh, I would call, um, the false statements. And that's not good for any unit. And I'm about integrity uh, in, in, in the unit, the small unit or any organization. Because without that, then you have chaos. And chaos means nothing ever gets done. And in the case of first responders, it could lead to mission failure, like I had mentioned earlier um, at the beginning of the show. And, and mission failure can often mean sometimes death. You know, we don't want to put our civilians in jeopardy or our officers in jeopardy um, because of issues. And 
And um, I welcome you the opportunity to ask me questions on what I know. And I, I'm gonna present you with the facts that I'm allowed to present without breaking privilege, uh, attorney-client privilege with the city. Um, and so I look forward to this question and this dialogue and, and uh, you know, what's your first question? Oh, absolutely, fantastic. First, and first of all, uh, Rashar, I, I would wanna thank you for, uh, again, that servant kind of mindset and, and for the integrity of saying uh, your political ideology and, and where you stand. And today we're, we're, we're in this big cancel culture and, and let's get rid of people that we don't agree with. And, and I witnessed, and I wanna just go back uh, and I, and I want to get to the questions, but I saw you deal in an adversarial relationship uh, last night, it, it going on till like one in the morning, uh, where where uh, an individual on the dais um, was just not polite in, in any way, shape, or form. And and despite the hours, uh, the long hours, uh, you didn't lose your cool. And 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 a lot of that goes back and, and is reflected upon your training and your experiences, and. And that's the mindset, the mentality of re responding versus reacting. And yet we can still do both, but we're better equipped when we react because we have a response mindset uh, to accept things, even if we don't agree with them. And, and you reflected that demonstrably and, and uh, with remarkable aplomb uh, as, as I witnessed. And, and, I, and I'm sure there's gonna be things we don't agree upon. And at the same point in time, we're not gonna get adversarial with each other because of, of our experiences and backgrounds. We're just gonna roll with it and, and flow and learn and grow simultaneously. So I just wanted to, again, kind of uh, for the listeners out there that don't know you or haven't paid attention uh, to Norman and the citizens that are serving the citizens, which are each of you on the dais um, that have been elected. The representative government that, that you're doing, you're standing up for and you're hearing the voices out absent uh, in, in many cases, your, your specific ideological and, and political allegiance in order to promote progress and, 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 and positive change. So I wanted to thank you for that um, question. Uh, how are you even able to talk, which was one of the big things that I was like, um, I know that there have been members within uh, the, the city uh, in different roles, and, and I won't name them uh, for, they, they still have years of repercussions that have received cease and desist letters for wanting to have a conversation about uh, A, B, or C. Um, so how are you even able to speak? And, and I'm grateful for the time. So I'm not asking like, how and why are you here? I, I understand that and I appreciate that. Um, absent breaking that, that, uh, that relational trust and, and confidentiality, um, what was the impetus for your desire to speak and share? Uh, the facts and the truth that you're aware of, and um, yes, and I guess kind of I'll leave it there. Well, you know, so so I looked at, I, I talked to the legal office, I talked to Catherine Walker and, and Rick Knighton. I said, hey, I want to come on the show and I want to talk about this, but I know I need to steer away from this. And so they understood exactly um, what I could say and what I wanted to say, and they agreed. And so I just want to talk about the facts that are public knowledge um, that are already out there that anyone can go to OSCM.net and you can pull down the depositions, you can pull down the case, and you can read this for yourself. And so when, I, when, I, when, when they understood what I wanted to do um, and why I wanted to do it, because I thought it was time that, that the record be 
that, that, that relevant and new information be introduced to your show and to your members and to your listeners um, that, that give them an, another view, a contrary view to what they are hearing now. What, what they're hearing now is bad, 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 racism, PTSD, don't care, leadership is horrible. And that's just not the case. And, and just using just the public record, um, I can tell you that this is talk about the racism part of it. Okay. So, you know, I heard that, you know, Chief Humphreys was on and, and Brandy Studley was on and, and they kind of, I kind of, kind of forward and skipped around on, on, on their, you know, what they, their testimonies, if you want to call it. And, and basically I would disagree with the characterization that, that race had anything to do with the hiring of Chief uh, King. Um, because the old city manager, when he decided to hire Chief Humphreys, I believe the chief, you know, was the first African-American to lead um, the Norman Police Department. Okay. Um, the reason I believe that Chief King was picked um, to lead the fire department, because he was also the, you know, he was the best person. So I think in this situation here, the, the old city manager picked the best person for the job. Um, as I understand, Chief King had fulfilled every role, every position, just about coming up into the fire department. And he was just the, the obvious choice and the better qualified candidate to become chief. And so I'm okay with that. Chief Humphreys, again, the most qualified candidate. They looked at all these other police chiefs and decided he was the best one to lead the police department. So I can't see how race had anything to do with it. Now, you know, our conversations, my conversations and, and the rumors are all just that. Um, I don't believe that, that Fred ever said that race was an issue. Um, um, I believe I looked at some of the old depositions uh, and, and he never did mention race. It was just other people mentioning race. And I don't think it was him directly saying that race was involved. Um, and so again, um, this, the, the, this, let's go back to the, the wall of shame. Okay. Um, that was, that started, I think before and when chief Travis King became chief and when he learned about it, he did what any commander did. He said, this is not who we are. And he ordered it down. And so that no longer became an issue. And because the problem was presented to him. He addressed it by saying, this is not who we are. And he, he said, take it down. And so it was, to my knowledge, it was taken down. So again, no longer an issue. He, he, it was brought to his attention. He learned about it. He took care of it the same way I would have taken care of it in the same manner. Um, PTSD. You know, anybody who joins the military, the fire department, or the police, this is a macho environment, okay? You have to be, most of us are all, we're, we're just men and, and we're, we're hired to do horrible things, dangerous things, run into buildings, chase after people, being shot at. And sometimes, you know, that makes us prideful. And the military has a lot of avenues for mental health. Now, coming up in the military, I remember, um, my first assignment was to Han Air Force Base at Wushan Air Station, which was a ground launch cruise missile station. And my sponsor, uh, Major Condor, picked me up and, and we were driving back from Frankfurt to Han and he just gave me the rundown of how things are, 
what's expected of me, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a four hour car ride back, you know, through Germany, you know, this is what his intent was, what my job would be, um, career path, progression, so forth here. And, and one of the things he did say, this is old school military, probably the same with the fire police, is that, you know, we never go uh, to mental health. Um, at the time, we had what's called personal reliability or PRP, um, which was our security clearance, and nothing would jeopardize that. And, but in going to mental health, for what you and I would would feel would be common goals or common deals, we, I have an issue, I want to deal with this. Um, it was prohibited, old school thinking in the military, that we just never go to mental health. If you have an issue, the, the unwritten rule was you talk to one of us, okay? And this is where that term barrack lawyer came from. If you ever heard that terminology, um, it, 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 it's like, you know, go to the club, talk about the issues, and we resolve it on our own. And, and it, it perpetuated throughout my career. I shared it with my, with, with my troops um, because I was looking out for what I thought at the time, their best interest. But all this time, we did have PTSD. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I want to say General Chevalier, who was uh, my commander at Cobar, um, you know, the, the senior leadership decided with, with all the PTSD issues with the Gulf War One, going into Gulf War II, for example, um, we had to address it as a as senior leadership. And so they, they started a campaign by saying, you know what, hey, I recognize in myself I have some PTSD and I'm a strong enough person to go to mental health and, and, and talk to a psychiatrist, counselor, psychologist. And so that, that kind of changed how the, the Air Force, I'm speaking just strictly with the Air Force, in my experiences is that, you know, at the time, um, before I realized that I was suffering from PTSD after the Cobar Towers bombing, you got to realize some of these guys I flew over with, I pulled one guy out of a wreckage of the 58th Fighter Wing dormitory, stealing his flight suit, and that was the only thing holding him together was his flight suit. And, and this is the horror that, that everybody experienced and saw. But I didn't know how to to decompress, to to deal with what what, what I experienced. And so, um, if you work for me, if you were my chain of command, your life sucked because my life sucked, and I just didn't know. And um, you know, I did eventually go talk to a psychiatrist and realize, you know, all these feelings that I was experiencing was uh, a result of horrible experience of uh, 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 one thing, and this is just one thing on another and another, um, which affected my personal relationships. And so um, fast forward to, you know, I retired 2007, 2012, 10, around that time frame, uh, the, the Department of Defense uh, started, started changing how they looked at PTSD and the soldiers returning back in deployment and made it uh, an issue, a priority, that when you came back from the deployment, you, you talk to your first line supervisor and to get that feel of how it went, what you experienced, you get the reports back to the field that come uh, uh, in independent or indirect uh, about what happened during that time frame of your soldiers or airmen or Marines. And, and then you can better say, hey, so you were in a firefight. Um, how did that affect you? And if, if there's any feeling that, that you might be suffering from PTSD, boom, you go and, and you saw a, a therapist. You know, this is a time they're not playing anymore because they're seeing death, suicide. They were seeing um, domestic abuses, a higher rate of divorce than normal. 
and they just needed to take care of it and identify the problem. And so the culture was shifting slowly. Um, so it's the saying that, hey, it's okay to go seek mental health treatment. It's all right. It doesn't mean that, it, that you are less than. It just means that you are taking care and taking personal responsibility for your life and your well-being, your family's well-being, and your career. And, and so, you know, give the DOD, you know, credit. It, it belongs to them. They recognize the problem, and this is how they fixed it. Um, but then you can't force people to go see treatment. So you may be identified um, as an individual who suffered traumatic experience, and, and you still refuse to go talk to a counselor. They can't make you, okay? There's only maybe one reason that they can command, direct you to go and, and do this and order you to do this is by looking at your, your job performance. And if you are having a negative job performance reports, um, complaints from your chain, um, from your subordinates, and issues that you know you're, you're harsh or, or issues are, are there and it's documented enough. Okay, we're not talking about leadership personality differences here. We're talking about things that can see the tangible. You know, hey, you know, for six months, man, you have your 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 mission is failing. Your your unit. Your department is not meeting goals or it's got issues. What is going on here? And if they determine that you had an opportunity to, to go seek treatment for, say, PTSD and you refuse, this is when they can direct you. You know, you were ordered to go seek treatment now, okay, and, and, and send you to treatment. Now, let's go to where we're at here now um, in 2023 is that PTSD is a big issue in fire. EMS and the police. Okay. They are forced to do horrible things. Um, their job puts them in harm's way. And uh, I'm pretty sure that they have some sort of PTSD. I can't imagine doing their job, knowing what I know from my experience in the military, that they don't have any PTSD. They have to have it because it's a horrible situation to be shot at or to shoot anybody, to run into a burning house. They'll pull people from a car crash or, or anything and have to deal with that. And they do have access to PTSD treatment. You know, they use the city insurance. Um, they go pay their copay. They go see a doctor. Um, it's only when it comes to a situation, a, a, a tipping point, where if leadership feels that you're not taking care of yourself and the resources are available, which they are, I can tell you that if they wanted anybody, a fireman, police officer, Anybody, if they have a, a mental health issue, they can go see a professional. There's nothing that's stopping or preventing them except themselves because they feel that it's perpetuated that if they go seek mental health, then they, they feel themselves, this is their personal view, that they may be considered less than. I don't think, well, I'm going to say I don't know for a fact. I'm just saying that I'm going to speculate that there's nobody in anybody's chain of command in the fire department or police department that will say you're weak you can't handle a job you need to leave that I, I i know most of the folks in the police department i know half the people or some of the people in the fire department and i just know that the leadership would not tolerate that behavior because it's representative of leadership when you look at the chiefs of the police department and the fire department and look at their staff supervisors, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're first line and, and look at all the officers and the firemen and the chain of command and how they behave 
interact with each other with 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 the public and they're all professional they are like bar none the best in the state of oklahoma both departments and and i just don't see anybody you know <laughs> calling and making fun of anyone with a mental health issue seeking treatment so so the treatment is there um they have the insurance for it and i'm pretty sure discussing with the city manager that if the department head felt that um that uh, that that one of their troops were not getting treatment, um, you know, they they had the authority to again command direct them to go receive treatment because that's the best course uh, to to get that treatment and and be part of the unit and and not cause any issues. And, and so I, I just don't see it. And and again, these are not my opinions or my truths. These are facts. We do have PTSD access. We do have counselor access. And nobody's ever denied if you have an issue, you say to your chief or your supervisor or your insurance, you know, I need to see a doctor. I have an issue. And, and that's, that's, that's what happens. Um, I, 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 I want to ask, um, I appreciate hearing that. And, and I'm curious, um, for the hundreds of hours of conversations that uh, I've had, and I know other news uh, and media outlets have had with current and former uh, firefighters specifically, that would just say that the environment, the environment, not only their mindset, and, and, and first and foremost, I hear what you're saying about our fears and our uh, lack of desire, inability, ineffectiveness, uh, anxiety, stress about saying or naming that I need help. Um, I understand that. Where my question would come uh, in addressing that would be the perception of or the reality of, and, and I is, am not there, uh, that, that the toxic environment when these members uh, that are current, and, and, I'll, and I'll speak about them uh, that have spoken with us, and, and like I said, multiple news agencies, uh, and, and to which I know that there's still articles and in, in, in TV productions that are, that are being prepared uh, to come out to address some of these issues are to say, I didn't feel comfortable. My, my officer said this, and well, if you have your little, you know, you had your little breakdown or whatever, I can't put you back in this station now, can I? To make few, th these are what people are telling us. So even though they have the opportunity, there is uh, their insurance they can use, or they can go private pay, or they can use the, the city's um, employees assistance program to help address some of these issues that they may have been feeling and or currently are feeling the environment of toxicity and 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 i'll use the words that they used the little kings or the chessites create an environment and, and and again this is not me knowing any of these things these are things that were directly shared to me uh and, and multiple other people um in in different media outlets would say that this is the atmosphere of toxicity not racism that king was or wasn't given a position uh, appropriately appointed to that position uh, that when um, Keith came on and talked about how he felt that he was being asked to create a, a better uh, environment, a more inclusive environment for Travis, those were Keith's words, not mine, um, that he said that Keith used the word colored people, not my words, Keith's words. Um, so. Everything you're saying, I, I fully accept and understand and appreciate. 
the hundreds of hours of people that are saying that are actively firefighting uh, and members of the department. So let's not even talk about the past for a minute. Let's talk about the current firefighters that are saying uh, they're being stifled. They've received letters of cease and desist from Rick Knighton that they've had, uh, they've been unable to have or feel that they could have conversations because for fear of repercussion and retaliation for bringing up, uh, even though the fact that uh, the city acknowledged and, and Chief King uh, came out with that memo in 20, what I have it, the date right here, um, June 15th of 2020 at 1.11 p.m., which mm -hmm. we received the metadata for. And, and I, I agree with you. Uh, if, if the chief found out about it and he took that action, out freaking standing. Um, and yet we have the city responding and saying this to that point, and I believe it was the city manager's response, and I want to articulate that specifically without using uh, my my brain, which is deficient at times. <laughs> I want to use I want to use their direct words. In the most recent allegations made about fire administration and the creation of a wall of shame attached, please find a memo from Chief King sent to the HR, which which we just spoke about, um, with specific direction to not tolerate such behavior. Absolutely appropriate leadership, and 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 I cannot disagree in any way, shape, or form. The current social media story circulating would have the public believe that the pictures shown depicting uh, retire personnel shirts is a current picture and current practice supported by the fire administration. That's a blatant falsity. Our article explicitly says two times, Rashar, that that was taken down. Now the dates may be inaccurate or not reflective of of the accuracies based upon the memo that Chief King wrote in, in 2020 in that date, because we were hearing from different people uh, mm -hmm. and we, we articulated that fact that we, we weren't sure specifically of the date and even brought that back up in, in a live um, recording on, on our podcast. So I wanted to address that. However, and it says, however, while the media outlets were provided with the photograph, will not provide us with the copy, they have confirmed that nothing uh, supports a finding that it depicts a wall of shame. And I've got to say that's ludicrous and preposterous. And why? Because I confirmed with numerous people on the fire department and in city government that those pictures were authenticated by their words directly to me in emails that I still have to this day. So we do confirm. And when Rick Knighton asked me specifically for the photos, I said, I believe, and I already am aware, I've been made aware that the city's aware, so thus I'm assuming the, the attorney's office would know. He's writing me on a Saturday afternoon, and I have all those emails, and, and the lack of uh, uh, courtesy and, and professionalism, I would say, uh, I felt based upon his responses. So I think that's important to cite. It also says that we did nothing to support that it depicts a wall of shame. We flat out called it a wall of shame, and then their email, his justification and response says specifically that Chief King called it a wall of shame. So the firefighters knew it was a wall of shame. So it, it is preposterous and ludicrous. And I'm not saying you are. I love that you're here and I appreciate you beyond measure that you're here. It says also the allegation that the uniform shirts depicted a photograph uh, are those of retired fire personnel 
who were forced from their jobs because of PTSD that have been ignored by the city and the party administration is based solely on representations made by the former employees who produced the photograph. The matter was addressed in June of 2020 and the memo clearly reflects the position of the fire administration. And after discussing the photo with fire personnel, this is not the case. Our office received a phone call from a retiree asking why the uniform shirt is being depicted in such a manner. That was the first indication that the photo was from three years ago. Um, since that date of the memo, Fire Chief King attached, which we, which, uh, we both articulated, um, was done in his leadership. There have been numerous investigations and court proceedings involving the former fire personnel, the city of Norman and the fire administration and the issue of the wall of shame has never resurfaced. Well, it did resurface. Um, and, and the wall of shame wasn't part of those, those cases specifically. I believe that mental health issues and concerns and the recordings that we have and that other outlets have would articulate that it, that it appears to be, and it has appeared to be a, a toxic environment, which has allowed that to happen. Um, to hear Rick Knighton say, well, it was never a wall of shame. Rick Knighton, one, isn't a firefighter, and, and I believe he, he was speaking uh, as a person, uh, the PIO at the time. We haven't heard comment from the PIO. This went directly from the city manager. Um, so on its face, the response, other than saying that the situation was taken care of, uh, the wall of shame by uh, Chief King, uh, 15 of 2020, but then to go on and say that we would make it appear and believe that the article or that the wall is still up when if anybody went, and I think this is subterfuge, if anybody went to our article or the Norma Transcripts article, we would 100% say that the wall has been taken down. When our article was put out there and our editor specifically said, we will not, not, not name a city. It was pretty interesting that we got a response from the city of Norman when we never named a city or a town that this was related to. So those are the things that the firefighters that are currently on the department would say, something doesn't smell right, something is amiss. And if they're arguing about this and they're telling mistruths and, and blatant lies about what our article actually says, we can argue about what Keith says and what he feels because those are feelings and what he heard and what he saw, he was bearing fruit and witness to his experiences. We're here to share, um, in my understanding, is substantive facts and, and not specifically feelings about what transpired because I have the emails and I have the conversations and the recordings of hundreds of hours of, of these, these uh, individuals sharing what has occurred. And then to get a response from the city manager uh, for a social media story that's had tens of thousands of readers, um, it, it doesn't honor the firefighters that made the issue. It doesn't address, uh, and, and we're not to know the personal issue, you know, how anybody was treated uh, from a personnel standpoint uh, that was involved in putting up the wall of shame. And you would have firefighters to this day believe that the wall of shame and the perpetrators have not been dealt with. And they've been put in line of the next levels of chiefs throughout the department. And, and this is what they're saying, Rishar. So I wanna come back to you because 
I just said a whole bunch of things, and I want to give you the opportunity mm. to address and correct uh, <laughs> well, some of the uh, stuff uh, that uh, I presented. Well, there's, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, to, to unpack. Um, let's just go back to what I said about the, the role of leadership and command is to maintain discipline, order, and morale. Okay, that is it. That, that is those three words, that one sentence tells you what the leadership is responsible for is to make sure that that the chain of command is intact and not compromised and that discipline and order and good morale is, is how a large organization with a huge responsibility can be effectively run. Um, every, everybody in the chain of command from the chief to the boots, the boot, the new boot should understand how that, what that means to them. And so, so that's, that's what you have to understand. And I'm not speaking for the chief. Um, I'm not speaking for the city manager, but under my understanding, if, if it was me, that's my job is to, to make sure that you guys focus on the mission. Tell me what the issues are. We'll deal with them, but your job is to focus on the mission. My job is to take care of you. You guys go out and do your job. So with that being said, um, you're right. There's a toxic environment in the, in the fire department, in the police department, but this happens in all organizations that are large. You have leadership disputes, you have personality issues, and if they are not effectively addressed um, at the time, this leads to what was, you know, it's, it's a contagion. It's a virus. It just it just grows, and then you have these issues. And I'm not going to speak on on what Fred alleged and his group and the lawsuits and the appellate, uh, Kate, you know, the the appeal, um, because that's all public knowledge. But to answer your your issue about the toxic environment, um, I can only speculate, and and, and I, I don't want to speculate. But anything said without having a conversation directly with these individuals. Um, would would be a speculation of my part and how I would respond. I just don't know. I didn't listen to it. And maybe I should go back and listen to uh, the recordings and read the, you know, read everything or maybe bring them together and just have a bigger conversation. So I did talk, I had some firefighter friends and I had, I asked that question about the, about the wall and, and the PTSD issue. And, 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 and these guys never heard of it really about the wall. And as far as the PTSD thing is that, you no. Know, um, yeah, you know, we have the services, they are available. As far as a toxic environment, it goes, it goes both ways. And, and I can give you some insight to, you know, why the cease and desist uh, letter was, was sent out was that if, if, you know, they do, look, even active duty members who can't go out and give anything, public speeches on, on anything that has to do with their job admission or the military, that is not their job. Okay, that is the job of the public public affairs office or the PIO in this case here. And so to prevent further um, problematic um, issues that are plaguing, allegedly you know, plaguing the fire department as far as personnel matters here, I, it, was, it is proper for the city to say, hey, you cannot talk about this. This is not your role. Um, that's just to, to slow things down, to calm things down, because people, like I said, some know what's going on and some have no idea what's going on, but they're all still coming to work to do their job. And, and that should be the mission. 
Um, I, I suggested one time that um, we do a climate assessment. You know, it's what we do in the military. You know, when you get a, a new commander that comes on board, he, he wants to gauge what's going on in his organization. And then when he leaves, usually a two-year assignment, then we do another one on the, on the way out to see have we met our goals um, going to the, to the new command. And that was an option, you know, um, let's do a climate assessment to see what actually is going on. Um, but it, it's gotten to a point in the fire department that um, that the appearance is that, yes, the, the department is, is it's just it's falling apart, but it really isn't. It's just a handful of people. And I would have gotten to the root. I would have brought them all in um, and, and let's do our own mini assessment. Let's sit down and, and walk and talk and have this discussion. But we can't have you guys on the job, you know, discussing this and, and exacerbating the problem and, and what you're doing, you're causing the, the effects of that is creating a bad morale, bad discipline uh, and no order. And do we truly want that for a first responder organization? We don't want that. And so I'm, I'm giving you insight to the season to this. I'm giving you insight to, um, you know, the, the the function of the city manager and, and why he did that and and the representatives that should be speaking on behalf of the city are the PIOs and Rick Knightley um, as the deputy uh, attorney for the city. That's his right and his position to do so. Um, the attorney general did investigate the fire department on those allegations, the insurance allegations, and and the of course the Walter Shame allegation and and. His conclusion was that you can confirm that the attorney general uh, investigated the Norman Fire Department on the wall of shame issue. Yes. And, and they determined that according to the evidence that was presented to the attorney general, that um, as soon as okay, it existed, um, as far as it being called the wall of shame, that was just the vernacular that everyone called it or some people had presented it as a wall of shame. And I can't speculate on, on who that was because it was, it was way before my time on council. And I was just not part of it uh, also, but when they investigated it, their conclusion was that as soon as the chief, and this is what their concern was, and it was rightly justified because that was the issue, he, he learned about it and he addressed it. This is not who we are, take it down, end of story, we don't do this. I will not tolerate that. Um, on the insurance thing, um, you know, the allegations of insurance fraud, um, I know those folks over there uptown at the, insurance department and, and they'll tell you and the stories were written and, and televised that it's hard to cheat the system. There's so many checks and balances. And and again, the attorney general's office found no wrongdoing uh, on behalf of the fire department when it came to the allegations of insurance fraud. And so um, when you have the attorney general come, coming back down with his decision, and it took him a while because, you know, I was I was on vacation in February um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was getting calls from people, five calls in one day, uh, uh, two from here in Norman and three from outside the city, in Oklahoma City, saying, I hear that uh, my chief is your G chief. I go, what the hell's going on? No, it's not true. And, and people here in Norman said, hey, is this true or not? I said, it's all false. It's, it's all false. And I called the city manager. I said, hey, when is that? When are we going to release the AG's report? And he, he's waiting. He said that they're putting their final touches on it for public consumption. It's not ready for public consumption. And as soon as it, as soon as it's ready, um, you, you'll get copies. And I said, as soon as it's ready for public consumption, I want it to be released to the media 
to show there was no wrongdoing and, and the wall of shame. Okay, I'm going to use that because that's what we all know it is now um, was, was discovered and, and fixed. That's what they have to understand that he fixed it as soon as he learned about it. And and so that it was it's a non-issue as far as I am concerned. The problem has been resolved. And with the problem being resolved, um, it, it should have gone away. Um, but it you know should have gone are. away. And, and I, I, I want to I, I do want to interject and I apologize. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. And, I, and I'm feeling and I'm curious with, with with the individuals that felt emboldened to put it up to begin with in proximity to other chief chief level uh, uh, offices. The wall has come down. The toxicity by all by all accounts from the members on the department that are still currently sharing information with media. And, and, and I'm a social media, um, but the, so like if we're gonna differentiate media and, and, and the first amendment does not, but the, the Norman transcript and other news affiliates in, in the Metro and, and outside of the Metro area are still diligently working on, on the issues of toxicity and to your point, leadership can say that this is no longer to be up, but that doesn't change the hearts and the minds of the people that felt emboldened to behave that way to begin with, to create that atmosphere and that environment for the leaders that were there by title um, to have allowed that even to happen. So that's one of the, that's one of the frightening things. And, and like you said, in any large organization where when this happens, uh, that, uh, that toxicity, uh, and we can't all just sit together, um, which you and I are, are actual absolute proponents of let's do that. Um, I, I wish you had more capability in the representative government to have done this as, as a council person, yet the way the city is designed in Norman, you aren't able to, and you honestly have to be very, very careful as to how and what you talk about and to whom you talk about for fear of yourself getting a cease and desist. Uh, well, 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 we did, there's a, there, well, let me interject real quick on that because we do have a charter language that prohibits us from interfering with personnel matters. Yes. The two employees that report directly to us, city manager, city attorney, everyone else reports to the city manager. We are prohibited by charter without teeth to the consequences of interfering in personnel matters. Okay, let's look at that perspective from a city council perspective is that, you know, if I was going to interject myself with personal matters, I did talk to some firemen that I know. I've known before I became on council, we're friends. And, you know, I took them to breakfast. We had breakfast and tell me what's really going on. And, and they told me their stories. Um, some had, had, they liked the chief and, and some didn't. But the, I, I asked the question, I, again, I know these folks before I came on council, they're friends. You know, is it a personality issue? Is it this and this? And with any leadership position, you're going to have folks that don't agree with you. Absolutely. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, all I'm saying is that, is that, that individuals should not take it upon themselves to destroy and impact the discipline, morale, and order of their organization they work in. If they claim to say they're part of the team, they're leaders at every level here. If they're contributing to the problem, that means most likely they are also the problem. Uh, they're narcissist. Everyone's a narcissist. Everybody. Yes. My fourteen-year-old daughter. My. my yes, and, and that's and getting convoluted. So let's let's let that's getting convoluted. Okay, so, so let's so, not go down so, that so, road. So okay. So to, to answer your question, I hope I've answered your question. Is that 
you know, the city does have the right to say, hey, you guys cannot talk about this publicly to media sources, okay, because you're, you're making the problem worse. Um, and so, again, the AG investigated the insurance claim, the wall of shame, found no wrongdoing, or it, the, the, the issue was corrected. Um, so, did that answer your question, Eric? It does, and I appreciate that. And I wanted to go to the IAFF uh, fiscal year 23 contract that the uh, IAFF, the union that represents all the firefighters, uh, including uh, officers, uh, has with the city of Norman. And, and it talks about the employees are free to express themselves as private citizens on social media. So, and that also includes, even though it's specifically the social media section, uh, that also includes uh, to whomever they wanna speak with. Uh, as protected by law, First Amendment, but such expression must be carefully exercised as to not cause disruption or discredit their employer. Uh, that is the city of Norman, unless and except, and here, here, here are the key phraseology in there, and this is where they're standing on the ground, unless and except when a whistleblower, and uh, a lot of the allegations that have been made, and, and, and I'm only saying allegations, and, and that, that are whistleblower type level from their perspective, and, the, and these are the members' perspective, or a matter of public concern, and it is a significant matter of public concern when the third largest city um, in, in, the, in the state of Oklahoma and the, the third or the second largest department, depending on, might be the third largest department, um, when there, there was an environment rich and ripe to have and embolden members to put up a wall of shame. So, and it says employees shall not post remarks that or would be reasonably known to be false, illegal, or unlawful. And that makes perfect sense. But I also want to counter that. If the members are supposed to uh, not post remarks that are, uh, or would be reasonably known to be false, illegal, or unlawful, why did we get a response from the city manager to our social media article that was on its face false? When you look at his response and you look at our article, um, you can read that we said it was taken down albeit the dates and times incongruent factually, because we were given information by humans and all humans cannot necessarily always be accurate all the time. There was not an intent to be false when we were told what we were told, nor was there an intent uh, for us to paint a picture, nor name a city, nor name a department to hurt or be injurious of any of those members. We said learned a lesson. Um, the city manager's response was patently false on its face. So you put the two side by side and the, the, the members are held to a higher standard than leadership. And you and I know, Rashar, that leaders are to be held to a higher standard than, than rank and file, period, point and blank. So let's see how, uh, from their perspective, the firefighters that have reported these infractions, the toxicity, their specific dealings, uh, with the fire administration and their leadership, um, how that they're wrong for doing that when they have You're a right. right to underneath the contract. Okay, let's 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 play let's play attorney. I mean, so let's, let's speculate. We're speculating right now, and I I don't know these individuals who are having these conversations. I would like to to have a bigger, longer conversation. But right now it's all speculation because I just, I don't know. I haven't heard their side. I don't know who it is, who they are, or who you're talking to. But let's just go back to Darrell Pyle and his memo to you. And, and I can only say that I support Darrell Pyle a thousand percent. He's, he is the best city manager um, that I've known. 
Um, he's, he's done his job in a exemplary fashion and manner um, that I voted to, to allow him to, to, to continue and give him a pay raise. With that said, that um, he still has the ultimate responsibility to the city of Norman and to the fire department to, to stop and quell things that subjectively to him are false that are causing the problem. That is in his wheelhouse and his purview and his right to do so. And again, you know, when we talk about the contract and the matter of public concern, um, is that subjective? So what, what I think is a matter of public concern um, may not be the same to you. So there's no clear definition. These are guidelines and it's up to leadership to decide, you know, what is a matter of public concern? Um, I do agree and concede to you that the, the environment in the fire department is not the best. Okay, and, and they're, they're finding ways to fix that and correct that. Um, and so that is being handled. As far as the whistleblower, um, there's no crime that was committed. Bad taste, um, yes, of course. Um, poor choices, obviously. Um, but again, I asked a couple of firefighters about that, that board and nobody really knew about it. And so was it an isolated thing? Was it an actual wall of shame? Was it a wall that was placed of people who left as an honor? Something, hey, you know, I, you know, these, these guys served with us and we're going to put their, their jerseys up on the wall just to honor them. And was it a case that one person whose shirt was up there felt that he was harmed um, during his career or felt belittled by uh, the leadership in his chain that, that he may have mischaracterized what this meant? That, hey, are they saying that I, I left because of an issue? Uh, are they are they making fun of me? We just don't know. We're, we're speculating right now. Well, because we can, spe we can folks... speculate, but we can also juxtapose that with an actual wall of honor that's around the corner, which has the brass plaques. You, you, you can, shirts. but what I'm saying, is, what I'm saying, Eric, is that we just don't know until we 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 take that picture, take those names that we can see, and bring them back in and say, hey. Did you feel this way? Do well, the you people know, that did... talk to me that are on that wall and, and that are that, that departed, and, and these people reached out to me. I have not called anybody unsolicited, um, short of uh, the city city officials. Uh, I have they have all reached out to me. They were given my name, number, email, whatever the case may be. I have completely not solicited any any individual, uh, including. Well, I have solicited city officials, um, but not any firefighter. Uh, I, I've had firefighters that are patently uh, denying any of this that has happened. And I said, I still want to hear your story because you're, you as a human being are valuable. We care about people. And we also understand, you and I specifically understand that hurt people hurt people. That's why you and I have gone to the lengths to become our best selves and continue to grow and gain perspective to learn things and you offering perspective is the only thing that continue to shine a light into crevices where people have different perspectives that because of what they feel necessarily aren't fact and and i hear that loud and clear which is why i love that, that you're here and sharing and i and i'm grateful that you met and had the opportunity to kind of get the sign off because i would hate for you to also have to go through um what other people feel that they've gone through by having conversations. So I, I absolutely appreciate this and I appreciate you. Uh, and I think beyond what you 
would even believe. Uh, I, I hold you in a, in, a, in, a, in a position of stature for what you have done and what you continue to want to do and who you are as a human being. So thank you. I appreciate that, Eric. This was a good conversation. Um, I'd like to, you know, come back on uh, whenever you'd like uh, to, to continue this conversation. I just thought it was important for me to reach out to you. And, and, and let me, you know, look, I'm a big enough man. Um, I did ignore your emails because I didn't have the facts, only because I did not have access to everything for me to come on and, and be part of the show. And that's why I reached out to you was because I did, I saw, I evaluated, and I said, you know, it's time to get on and, and, and have this conversation and to show another part of what the listeners might be wanting to hear. I hope they get value from today's show. I really do because my one hope is that the fire department becomes whole and a hundred percent. That's that. Yes. Bottom line, no matter, no matter who has come on before me, um, who has, who has come on, you know, the firemen themselves, um, the hope for us in leadership, my, my personal hope, you in your position is to get the fire department back to a hundred percent. If you have to facilitate this on your own, and bring these guys together to have this conversation. I am for that, but that is our goal, is to make sure that everybody is close to 100%, that all these issues, you know, I've, I've wrote down my notes, and I know my screen is frozen, I don't know if you can see me, but but yes. um, I, I wrote my notes, and it's, it's three pages of everything that you have brought up and what we discussed, and I wanna come back in a couple of months, and, and I wanna see, you know, as a private citizen who's still engaged, and talking with these firemen, have these issues been resolved? Have, have our conversation been fruitful that we have provided a path forward for the healing to start to get to a point where, yes, this was a worthwhile endeavor because this is what we're supposed to do. I'd like to know that. I'd like to know that we had an effect, a positive change in the trajectory of the fire department um, because is not what we're here to do. I mean, we're not here to, to you know, to, to begrudge. And I know you're not. I'm just making a general statement. Well, 100 percent. But to 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 make sure that we give everyone a platform. And you know, if the city manager wants to come on, that's up to him. Um, I fully support him doing it or not doing it. That's his choice. Um, or Rick Knighton. Um, I can just personally can just, say the way Rick Knighton has talked to me in emails, I I would be willing to listen and and also. Uh, accept his position without agreeing with it, and and uh, barring barring some uh, some uh, apologies potentially for the lack of professionalism and and the way he's responded to me via email, and I have them and I've shared them with with many many people and 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 media and and other people. Um, so I, I'm not keeping this in the dark, um, and and I'm with you, and and I want to go back to the positive. Um, we want to see these men and women whole. Uh, from top down to bottom up, bottom up and inside out, and and that's that's the only thing. When this story opportunity and and it wasn't even I don't do stories, you know, Rashar. Um, when when the stories of these individuals, uh, of what they personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually went through, and they started adding up, and and they we we were in a silo. Each conversation was not with the other person um present you know so it was not group think and group speak and group talk and 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 as i said hundreds of hours um and then i was getting verification from people within the city that this was yes a wall of shame 
because obviously somebody knew that that memo had come out when it did and and people within the organization knew so we yes we did prove that it was a wall of shame despite being told uh, in the city manager response it wasn't so yes whole 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 we are working with organizations there are outside organizations that have infiltrated uh and I say that intentionally and, and also without uh, the, the understanding of what that usually means, in order to get people to feel like they can get help, ask for help, and, and receive it uh, in a manner which is most beneficial for, for each person within that organization of the Norman Fire Department. Every man and woman that raises their hand and serves, um, I, I want them to know that I honor their service. Um, whatever side of the feelings and opinions or facts that they stand on. This is not uh, casting intentionally an aspersion on a specific person, uh, and yet we know we can do better. And, and that's what I think I heard you say. Um, your leadership has been exemplary in the face of adversarial relationships and or transactional relationships. You are a light, sir. Uh, I wanna call you brother as a human being. Uh, you are for truth and justice. And I believe and trust that your intentionality and those people that are on the dais with you, albeit even with different perspectives, ideologically and politically, uh, we all want what's best for humans. And I appreciate Absolutely. that. I appreciate that on every level from you and those people that uh, won't respond or have responded that I won't name because I've, I've said that I won't name them. And, and that's the integrity that I have to keep for them. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have been with Rashar, uh, Tortorello. Tortorello. Uh, Tortorello. He's been an amazing uh, guest. He has a, a fantastic background. If you're looking for uh, a speaker, uh, for a person that will engage your organization from a leadership perspective, a, a dynamic, dynamic perspective, and having uh, served as courageously as he did to receive the, uh, be a recipient of the Air Force Airmen's Medal, um, please reach out to him. Uh, he, he would he would be a, a remarkable uh, keynote or a rotary guest or a community advocate um, for you and your organization, be it religious organization or or, or otherwise. Uh, this is and has been the EMS Improv podcast where we have uh, engaged, where we've tried to be mindful and respectful and courteous. Uh, uh, and I don't ever say this, but we've been courteous and uh, in the face of diverging feelings and thoughts and, and facts as well. So I wanna say thank you to that. And we have shared and told stories. We are powered by gems and I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me in your show and I look forward to what happens next. Perfect, I appreciate that very much.